Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, good evening, family. Welcome to One Love, One Connection, One Us with your host, Reverend Arlene Cahat, and my beloved... The King Andre Tuesdale here to be of service. <laughs> so tonight we are going to talk about when love is not enough because of actions. You know, we've all heard that saying that love conquers all. And I will, you know, I will be one of the first people to agree with that. But what tends to happen is that because when we are in love or when we love, we're operating in a space of fear. And when we have these two diametrically opposed forces um, enter into a space, you know, things have this tendency to fall apart. But before we get started with that, we're going to take a moment to get prayed in with the Lord's Prayer. This prayer is going to be in Aramaic, and it is also, you know, it is also done by uh, Thomas Shalaw Walker, who has so graciously allowed us to use his beautiful voice to um, spread this prayer of peace. So hold on, and we will be right back. Okay, love. 
Again, like I said earlier, today's show is about is about when love is not enough because of actions. And I, I think perhaps the best way to really start off with this is to actually talk about the different types of love. Um, and the, these are based off of uh, the Greek um, definitions of love. The first one is eros. And eros is is sexual or passionate love, and this type of love is akin to our modern construct of romantic love. Uh, in the Greek myth, it is a form of madness brought on by one of Cupid's arrows, and the arrow breaches us, and we fall in love, um, as did Paris with Helen, um, which if you don't remember uh, your <laughs> world history, um, uh, when 
Paris got the opportunity to tell these goddesses which one of them um which one of them was the most beautiful. I think it was Athena that was offering wisdom. And it was I think uh Helen I think the the um one of the the goddess that was married to to Zeus. I, I forgot what she offered him. And then there was Aphrodite. And Aphrodite offered him the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> so Paris, not really being a wise man, <laughs> Chose the Aphrodite, and and so Helen was married to somebody else, but left her husband to be with Paris, and this was uh, this is what is believed to have led to the Trojan War and the downfall of Troy. Now, in modern times, Eros has been amalgamated with a broader life force, something akin to Sharma's will, a fundamentally blind process of striving for surviving and reproduction. Now, Eris has also been contrasted with Logos or reason. Now, with Cupid depicted as the blindfolded child. Then there is Philia. And feel the hallmark of philia is of friendship or shared goodwill. And Aristotle believed a person could bear goodwill to another for three reasons. And that he is useful, that he's useful, that he is pleasant, and all above, that he is good, and that is rational and virtuous. And friendships founded on goodness were associated not only with mutual benefit, but also with companionship, dependability, and trust. And for Plato, the best kind of friendship is that which lovers have for each other. And it's filial that's born out of Eros, and that it turns and feeds back into Eros and to strengthen the develop, you know, strengthen and develop it and transform it to less for possession into a desire for a higher level of understanding of self and the other and the world. And some philia transforms eros from lust for possession into an impulse for philosophy. And now the number, the third one is called storge or familial love. And it is the kind of philia pertaining to the love between parents and their children. And it differs from most philia in that it tends to, especially with young children, be unilateral and asymmetrical. More broadly, storge is a fondness born out of familiarity or dependency, unlike eros or philia that does not hang on personal qualities. Um, People in the early stages of romantic love often expect unconditional storge, but find only eros, and if they're lucky, philia. Now, over time, eros is 
often mutates into storge. And if we are lucky, there is philia and pragma, which, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit later. Now, number four is agape. Now, agape is universal love, uh, such as the love for strangers, um, nature, or God. And now, unlike storge, it, it does not depend on the affiliation or familiarity. Also, it's uh, called charity by Christian thinkers. Agape can be said to encompass the modern concept of altruism, defined as unselfish concern for the welfare of others. Now, recent studies link to altruism with a number of benefits. In the short term, altruism leaves us with the euphoric freedom of the so-called helper's high. In the long term, it's associated with a better mental and physical health as well as longevity. Now, at the social level, altruism serves as a signal of cooperative intentions and also of resources available and so of mating or partnering potential. It also opens up a debt account encouraging beneficiaries to reciprocate with gifts and favors that may be much greater value to us than those with which we feel able to part. Now, more generally, altruism or agape helps to build and maintain the psychological, social, and indeed environmental fabric of shields and sustains and enriches us. Now, given the increasing anger and division of our society and the state of our planet, we can do with quite a bit more of agape. Now, the fifth kind of love is is it lotus or lotus i think it's lotus lettuce uh lettuce is playful in an uncommitted love it can involve activities such as teasing and dancing or more overt flirting seducing and conjugating now the focus is on fun and sometimes on conquest with no strings attached So, lettuce relationships are casual, undemanding, and uncomplicated, but uh, for all that, it can be very long-lasting. Lettuce works best when both parties are self-sufficient and problems arise when one party mistakes lettuce for arrows, whereas lettuce is, in fact, much more compatible with philia. Now, number six is pragma. Now, pragma is a kind of practical practical love founded on reason or duty or one's longer-term interests. Sexual attraction takes a backseat in favor of personal qualities and compatibility, shared goals, and making it work. Now, in the days of arranged marriages, pragma must be very must have been very common, and although unfashionable, it remains widespread 
um, most visibly in certainly high-profile like celebrity and political pairings. Now, many relationships that start off as Eros or Lettuce end up as various combinations of Storge and Pragma. And Pragma may be seen opposed to Lotus, but... Um, but the two can coexist, and one providing a counterpoint to the other. And the best case is the partners in pragma of pragma relationship agree to turn a blind eye, or even a sympathetic, or even a sympathetic eye, as in the case of Simone de Beauvier and John Paul Sarti, or Vita Sackville West and Harold Nicholson. Now, the next one, number seven, is, I I believe it's called Philolutia. And Philolutia is self-love, which can be healthy or unhealthy. Unhealthy self-love is akin to hubris. In ancient Greece, a person could also be accused of hubris if he placed himself above the gods or, like certain modern politicians, above the greater good. (laughs) Sounds familiar, ladies and gentlemen? Now, many believe that hubris led to the destruction of nemesis. Now, today, hubris can be... And a hubris, a hubris has come to mean an inflated sense of one's status, abilities, or accomplishments, especially when accompanied by haughtiness or arrogance. Um, it also disregards the truth. Hubris promotes injustice, conflict, and enmity. And now there is, okay, that is like the the extreme of self-love, but a healthy self-love is akin to self-esteem, which is our cognitive and, above all, emotionally appraisal of our own worth. More than that, it is in the matrix thought of which we think, feel, act, and reflects and determines our relationship to ourselves, to others in the world. Self-esteem and self-confidence do not always go hand-in-hand. In particular, it's possible to be highly self-confident and yet have a profoundly low self-esteem, as in the case with many performers and you know many celebrities. People with high self-esteem do not need to prop themselves up with externals such as income, status, notoriety, or lean on the crutches such as alcohol, drug, or sex. Uh, they are able to invest in themselves and completely into projects and people because they do not fear failure or rejection. And, of course, they su- they suffer hurt and disappointment, but their setbacks neither damage nor diminish them. Now, owing to their resilience, they are open to growth, experience, relationships, tolerant, or risk. And they tend to be quick to joy and delight and accepting and forgiving of themselves and others. 
Now, the reason why I went ahead and talked about those different forms of love is to just give people like uh, a picture of what it is that we've been given as definitions based upon, um, I guess you could say, Western, the, I guess you could say the beginnings of Western civilization based upon the Greeks and the Romans. Now, one of the things, one of the reasons why I wanted to actually talk about this particular subject of when love is not enough, um, this, this, is specifically geared towards relationships um, in, in intimate relationships. Now, one of the things that we really do focus here on One Love, One Connection, One Us is is um, telling people and give pe- giving people ideas of what would be necessary to create um, a loving, sacred union. Um, one of the things that I will say is that there really needs to be uh, when you're in that place of having that type of union, you have to get to a place where you are completely honest and transparent. <laughs> and unfortunately, with the modern day examples that we may see in movies and we see in the lives of others, people very rarely are operating in that space of creating a sacred union and and I think that they keep making these mistakes with love simply because they don't have the proper example now we are hoping to bridge that gap here and when when you are in that place of being dishonest and doing things and, and and saying things that, you know, that you're in love with somebody because you have this burning feeling inside or this uh, you have this warm place in, inside your, your heart space for another human being. Um, that those emotions that get stirred up because of this other individual and you coming together with that other individual, there are things that are really contrary to the consciousness of the con- the Christ consciousness and the consciousness of love. Now, before I go on. You know, I want to see if my beloved has anything to to share or say uh, about the things I had to say for a moment. There we go. Here we go. <laughs> I think I'm on. Can you hear me good? Okay. Well. I must admit, all of those levels of love that you brought to our attention is enough to make your head spin. That's that's what I got to say about that. No wonder love relationships are so crazy. If we are to continue in the assimilation to those, I would say, Greco-European aspects, because 
it's all over the place. But I really believe that love is not complex. You know, love is only complex when people make it complex. And as you can see from that Greco-European aspect. So if we continue to assimilate to those things, I think we're going to stay in a space of being confused about what love is. Because to me, love is sweet. It's a simple thing. If love ain't sweet, it ain't love. That's the way I see it. Now, I'm simplifying it, maybe, but think about it. Love shows no evil. That's how I interpret that aspect. So I think in staying in in the context of what we're talking about right now, we really need to live love from our heart and know what our heart is saying. And so our mind and our heart needs to communicate and be in agreement with ourselves first so that we can be in agreement with those of whom we are in relationship with, whether it be your parents, your friends, or someone of which you are intimate with. But the key is communication. And then you can decide exactly where you are as far as those levels of love are concerned. And you live in that space and honor that. But uh, all that stuff that you were giving us earlier, Lord have mercy. I was like, I'm glad this is no class because I would fail this course that day. Okay. So, again, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, all of those were based off of um, you know, the the Greek definition of of what love is, and perhaps it that's the reason why there is so much confusion. Okay, so let me let me start off by saying there are there are things that that people tend to do that cause love not to be enough. And one of the things is is that people don't have a loving relationship with themselves. Um, basically, what I'm saying, uh, if you didn't understand that, is that people don't love themselves. And they are looking for an outside and external source for to fill them, to love them enough. And I don't think that people, you know, people say, you know, will say, well, I love myself. Well, if you're looking for someone outside of you to complete you, you know that that famous Jerry Lyme, McGuire, Jerry Maguire uh, uh, line of you complete me. Well, nobody can really complete you. Because if you're two half people coming together, then, you know, there's not enough there to create any type of wholeness. So self-love is number one on your list. You know, really getting to know yourself, getting to uh, getting to heal those old wounds that you had as a child because a lot of the times when you're not having uh, an appropriate relationship with yourself and you're not loving yourself enough, you are running on automatic pilot 
off of those things that you were programmed with as a child. Um, And so it requires you to do some work in terms of of loving yourself uh, and also having a relationship with the equator. In actuality, I kind of have those two go hand in hand under number one. Because the creator is who actually sustains you. The creator is, is, you know, holding everything together. And many of the relationships that you're having right now um, are a reflection of what is really going on inside of you. <laughs> okay. So... What are some of the other things that you may be asking? You know, self-love and love for the creator falls under number one. But number two, um, dishonesty. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're being dishonest with yourself or dishonest with others. Dishonesty, just period, um, does not leave any area or opening for love to remain in your space. Now, and the thing is, is that the reason why many operate in a space of dishonesty is because they're afraid. They're afraid that if they were to tell the truth about who they are, or represent the truth of who they are, that no one will love them. And nothing could be further from the truth. Not in not, you know how how can I put this? Not when you really, really dig deep into who you really are and becoming well acquainted with yourself and loving yourself. That when you start that journey of living authentically and being being in a place of being of radical honesty you will find that you that those people that don't actually correspond with that <laughs> that don't correspond with with radical honesty will fall away from your experience So, again, our top two is relationship with you, yourself, uh, you, yourself, and the creator. I mean, yourself and the creator, loving yourself. Number two is dishonesty. Uh, Number three really has more to do with the dishonesty, but operating in a space of fear. When you're operating in a space of fear, love is not going to be enough because you are operating in a space that is really contrary to what love is. Anything that you would like to add to that? Okay. Let me see if I'm catching up with you. I think... You are right now giving us the numeric 
multiple points that indicate when love is not enough. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, okay. Um, So this group of numbers that you're giving us now does not have anything to do with the numbers that you were sharing with us with the different levels of love. No, they don't. It's just that. It was just that I wanted to give people a background on what the historical uh, constructs of love were based on what we've what this society is based off of, and it clearly it does not it it has not worked. I mean, these particular definitions. Uh, even though they are interesting, there is obviously a bit of a disconnect between all of those uh, definitions of love and what we are seeing out here in society. I mean, they give the definition for them, but really to operate in a space of, you know, of love, what 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 Christ would do, what love would do. Even though we have these clinical definitions, everything that we see in our physical world tends to op, uh, act in act in contrast in a contrast to what love is. Um, and, and this is the reason why I'm saying that these that these particular actions, especially these three. That that I mean, they really, if, if for the most part, that is that's pretty much that's pretty much it. It seems like these three things causes love not to be enough, because when you factor in uh, factor in you know people you know not loving themselves, they're they're wanting to be filled with something and uh, filled with something, and they you know even if they were to even actually get into a relationship, they are operating with this hole in their heart, and their relationship with themselves and the Creator is just out of whack, and if it's out of whack and you don't have that place filled up with the one who created you, you are not able to, you know, receive, you're not, you're not being the type of love that you're desiring and you're not going to be in, because you're not being the type of love that you're desiring, you're not going to be able to attract the type of love that you're desiring. Um, okay. So what I'm picking up on is, You, as an individual, should do all in your power to be complete. Because I was hearing you earlier talk about um, two people coming together and making the comment that this other person makes me whole. Where, when we see it from that perspective, then you have two unwhole people coming together, which can't make a whole because you weren't whole in the first place. Where when you focus on having your emptiness filled by the things that you can do to manifest the self-love that is given to you from the creator and you observing 
and taking care of yourself, the individual, and loving yourself and stepping away from having fear being the dominating factor in your life, then you become a whole person. And then in being whole, when you meet another whole person, then the relationship is a relationship that is more, I guess one could say, sacred, more fulfilling, and more satisfying because you're not in a relationship that's trying to fill somebody else's hole that you can't fill because you don't have the fill for that hole, I guess. Yes, and that that that's a yes to that. And then when you think about it, you think about it, um, it when is like really amazing to me um, when when you're looking. I I really had to I really had to get to this place of where I really kind of disconnected from media and disconnect from those people around me who weren't that that did not have the type of life that I wanted in terms of a sacred and loving union the marriages that I had seen when I was growing up, they were not, you know, the reasons they were staying together. It wasn't because that many of them were, had this deep unabiding love for them. A lot of them were together because of, um, I guess you could say obligation that they were together for obligation or they were together for finances they were together because of lust. They were together because of their own particular agendas. They were together for some other reason other than they were together for some other reason other than um the purposes of having a sacred love. And I really I recall growing up and really kind of <laughs> I guess getting my mind twisted with the idea and concept of romantic love because I I was I was you know I I was one of those people who grew up watching uh you know or re- reading the the love stories of waiting for my prince to come and things and thinking everything was supposed to be grand and what have you but then what what began happening especially when I became a young adult and I was in my 20s I really had gotten to this point of like I, I had gotten to I had to you know I was negotiating what it was that I was seeing and and testing and uh, testing and doing everything kind of contrary to what my family members had done because the women that I had the women that I had grown up around they were very strong very independent women um but almost none of them none of the women that I grew up around none of the women who were really my first teachers of of womanhood none of them had uh 
the type of love life that I would want. And I remember my mother, my mother's just like, you know, her scratching her head, you know, her her scratching her head about that, um, about why it was that she did not have a loving relationship. And when I hear, when I used to, when she used to tell me about the relationship that my grand, that, you know, her parents had, <laughs> You know, what I heard was, you know, this, uh, what I heard from my mother were were these talks about these different power struggles that they had. And, you know, God forgive me, you know, Godspeed to my mother, my grandmother, and my grandfather. But there, there was one time where apparently there was this power struggle within the household. And my my grandfather got it into his head that he was going to control, try to control my great my grandmother by hitting her. And for a minute, you know, my grandmother kowtowed, you know, and he stopped hitting her. And he was he was you know walking around puffed up like a peacock. And then you know my <laughs> my grandmother went into the kitchen and took a cast iron pan and smashed him upside the head. Now, luckily, he didn't die. (laughs) He didn't die from that experience. Hold up. He didn't die from that experience. However... Uh, However, you know, my mother talked about how, you know, she saw the gash on his head and how, you know, she was trying to clean it up because she she was going to nursing school at at the time and it was really bad and it was gushing and she was like, you know what, Daddy, you, you really need to go to the hospital. However, with that that particular power struggle that they were having, um, let's just say that my my grandfather never tried to hit my grandmother again. And even when I talk to women, talk to women now, and I I share that particular story that my mother shared with me. When I talk to women um, about relationships, they actually equate the you know equate their getting along with men in terms of some type of power struggle maybe something not nearly as drastic and dramatic as that but because of you know because of those things that i those those three things that i've mentioned earlier about love for yourself, the love for the creator and having a love for the creator and then um also living in a place of of honesty and also living in a space of fear. When you look at those three things that I've talked about, all of those things in most of the relationships you will find some some component all, all three components working in conjunction and and having people be in what I would consider uh loveless marriages okay, so I'm capturing Liz in a space of specific parameters to be harmonious. That would be a yes. Okay. Well, I wrote down a little something here that I'll share um, with our community. When you gave me the topic, 
when love is not enough because of action. I thought on that. And what came to me is level of action are you expressing? And that's a question that goes out to everybody in the world. Because any action that lacks power cannot clear the threshold. And if it does not clear the threshold, then it's as if that action never happened. I'll say that again because I want you to think on what I'm saying to bring emphasis to our understanding. When love is not enough because of action, when you look at it from that perspective, look to see what level of action are you expressing because any action that lacks power cannot clear the threshold. And if it does not clear the threshold, then it's as if that action never happened. Now, when I use the word threshold, there's, let's say, in my conscious mind, I see that in order for a piece of equipment, because I dabble with electronics and mechanics, if you have a piece of equipment, especially electrical equipment, let's go there, let's say an air conditioner, like the one I put in the house the other day that needed 220 volts, right? If you don't have the amount of power that's required for that air conditioner to work, you can apply that 120 volt to that air conditioner. But if that air conditioner needs 220 volts, it's not going to function. It's not going to work. It's as if the action never happened. So the lights didn't come on. The air conditioner didn't come on. Nothing came on. And I thought I put in the 20, the 220 circuit. When I looked, I did put in the 220 circuit, but the 220 circuit wasn't connected to the double pole system. So the double pole system is what actually gives me my 220 in order to have the power in order to reach the threshold that would cause the air conditioner to actually function. So when I analyzed my situation, I came back and I realized that I needed to do something that required a greater action. So I took the action. I went out and I got another circuit breaker. And when I came back with that circuit breaker that was able to connect both of those um, poles, then when plugged it in, snapped it into the circuit breaker box, I was like, okay, this got to work because I know I got to have more power. So when I plugged in the air conditioner, the light came on, the plug, I was like, now that's what I'm talking about. But I still had to continue with an action 
which was to press the button on the air conditioner to see if actually the air conditioner itself would come on. And it did. So love kind of operates in that same manner. When you're putting out something, let's say, for example, your expression must have substance. It must have a qualifier to it. If it is lacking substance, if it's lacking its qualifier, then it's as if it possesses no power to rejuvenate or to activate that which should be touched in another. I say love loves rejuvenation and genuine authenticity or in the sense of the air conditioner, genuine electricity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're almost at the top of the hour while the time has just kind of flown by me because I, I think that, you know, my my intention after we get back from this, you know, from the music is to really – really talk about what needs to happen and and, uh, what needs to happen in order for, you know, for love to be enough. Um, And, and I'm going to share some, you know, share some sports stories and share some of my experiences with the, with the family here. Um, But, uh, you know, here we're going to what? I was just thinking about the song that you played at the beginning. It says, you have the right to lose control. Don't let go. But I thought about this. You only have the right to lose control with permission, as long as it's consensual. I just want to throw that in there. Alrighty then. So we're going to take a quick music break, um, and this is El Debarge, Love Me in a Special Way.
problems here. All right, there we go. That's a beautiful song by Debosh entitled Love Me in a Special Way. That's required. It's a love ain't special. What is it? It's something else. Look out. <laughs> okay, so okay, so family. I I'm gonna you know, I'm I'm about to like be open and transparent with you. So um many of you have actually heard me mention every now and again that that I was married before, you know, before I I met King here. And so I'm going to share with you that that I actually when I made the decision to uh, marry um, my ex-husband, I was not really, I, I really had come to this conclusion <laughs> that the, that love was a choice, that, that my ideas about romantic love um, were, were a little bit flawed and but that I could make a choice to love someone. Now, interesting thing is, when I made that choice, when I would ask myself the question, did I, did I think that I could live with this person 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, I got that intuitive nudge that said no, that, that there, or that, intuitive it, it did not come out as no it was more of a feeling uh however you know i just i did what most people do and i discounted it and we went ahead and we went a, we went ahead with uh the the show and i got to tell you that <laughs> the first marriage you know i had a relatively big wedding and what what happened was that there were there were things within the relationship that I had ignored, um, uh, that I had ignored, that that I you know those things like the needs, the wants, and the requirements and things of that nature. I you know I just though, during that time when I when I was married to him, I just the things that I know now. And then things that that I knew then that that knowledge just simply wasn't there. Over time, what began to happen um, was that everything that I loved about him got amplified, and everything that I did not like about him got amplified. And at at a, at a certain point in our relationship, I. I had I had been wanting something deeper. I knew that something was missing from the marriage, but I, I was wanting something deeper. And when and when I would go to address those issues with him and to really have a deeper connection with him, um, because there was fear within the relationship in and of itself on on a real when I look back on it on a real fundamental level, um, the type of intimacy that I was looking for, that I was really desiring in the marriage, he was afraid of. And, you know, parts of it could have been cultural. You know, he was, he, just so you know, he was not, he was not um, a U.S. citizen, um, at least not at the time. And 
there was this there was this like kind of friction you know kind of friction that built and built and built and and the things about the thing about it was um we were we were acting in a space that was really kind of contrary to love um fear was actually within the marriage um anger and frustration which is also a derivative of fear within the marriage because what continued to happen is when i would go to him about what my needs were uh you know he would you know, do things to just placate me, and you know, it's like it, the 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 easiest equivalent is yeah, the easiest equivalent that I can express to you is that it's almost like you giving a dog a pat on the head, you know, or giving a dog a pat on the head, and they're being you know um, being satisfied with the pat, but you know, of course, a human being is not a dog, <laughs> and after a while, I realized that that this, what I was looking for was not going to happen within the marriage. I really had a clear and transparent moment um, after my mother had died and we were sitting in the funeral and, you know, my, my youngest son was sitting in my lap and, and holding me tightly, which was like really, really strange for him because he was just a fireball in all over the place. And my you know, then ex-husband, you know, uh, well, then husband um, was sitting beside me and my oldest son was sitting next to him and my oldest son leans across his lap and my oldest son grabbed my hand. And in that moment, I had like this absolute clarity that it wasn't that my ex-husband was a bad man or that this man was a bad man. It was just that I was not going to be able to get what it was that I needed from this relationship because he just was not emotionally there and not emotionally capable of giving me what I needed in the relationship. And like all of the culmination of anger and the fear and the resentment and all of that stuff. And, 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 you know, and there were some other things taking place like gaslighting. And for those of you who don't, don't know what gaslighting is, it's, it is a a manipulative tactic of, of, um, of lying about what it is that a person is doing or, or just having your having your ideas or your opinions discounted, and then you know, oh well, I you know, you don't see the what I'm doing for you, and you should accept what it is that I'm taking from you, and you know that should be that. And again, I you know I'm not looking to tear him down. It was just that. What I was asking for, he was just not at that place to be emotionally vulnerable enough to provide me that. And I had to, I had a choice. I realized I had a choice. I could either stay and accept who it is that he was being or I could leave. Now, 
let's fast forward my journey from <laughs> after I got a divorce because I got to tell you that was messy. But I don't really need to go all up in there. But all of that stuff, all of that anger, all of that resentment, all of that stuff came out during the divorce process. And um, I, I've heard, I've heard, and and I believe that there's some truth to this. I've heard that that there are so that there are like karmic consequences for a divorce. You you don't get out of that experience unscathed. It and especially if it is not um, um, a situation that was mutually agreed upon. So I let's fast forward it. I moved to Baltimore. And I realized, like, I began when I began looking at the television shows and being kind of cognizant of the messages that were, you know, that were being um, portrayed on television, that they were they were out of order and sort of contrary to the things that they were saying that would come from things uh, come from. It was contrary to the type the, the things that they, they would equate with getting the type of love that I desired were kind of contrary to what it was that, uh, you know, what I had known that those things would create. So um, I, you know, infinite intelligence, that, that deep desire to, to have uh, a romantic love um, came resurfaced. Those, the deep desires that I had as a child Resurface in that desire to live a life that was different from what I had seen represented had resurfaced itself. But this time around, I started. I started with what you would call the self uh, self help track with with the John you know John Gray who wrote Women Are From Mars uh, you know uh, Men Are From Mars Women Are From Venus and and um, what is that? The also the gentleman, uh, I think his name is Coleman. Yeah. G- yeah, Gary Chapman, who wrote the five love languages, and and then there, and mind you, there were there were many other authors, but the paradigm that they were operating out of was considerably different than what is perpetuated in the media, be it music. I mean, when you really listen to, when you really listen to some of the songs, especially I've, I've listened to some of like the hip hop music and, and mind you, I don't really like hip hop, but I, I am mindful and cognizant of what the music is saying. And all I hear is nothing but dysfunction and fear. And, and, and that is supposed to be the representation of love. Like really, (laughs) I was just like, okay, no wonder the world is, you know, operating in this space of insanity. But when I read these books by many of these, uh, many of these authors that were, you know, self-help gurus, it it really talked about accepting people for uh, who they were and where they were and, and finding out what it was that your needs were. And and then also bringing the creator into the relationship to create a sacred union. Now, what happened is that, you know, 
beyond reading the books, um, <laughs> Infinite Intelligence brought me uh, brought a sacred relationship into my experience. Now, um, sacred relationships, all relationships uh, on a, you know, all relationships are sacred. I'm just going to put that out to you. All of your relationships are geared towards uh, bringing you into fuller expression. They're looking to express the highest and best version of themselves. Um, And when you bring the creator into that, it facilitates a great deal of healing. So my, my former, my former, you know, talk show host, uh, Reverend Harvey L. Bailey was, was the, who the universe brought into my experience. And I, what happened was um, I had gotten a, I had gotten the premonition that he and I would have some type of, you know, he and I would have some type of dealings with each other. I just was not clear on what. And what happened was, you know, I was in that space of operating out of, you know, you know, God, what is it that you're wanting me to do? Because, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting a clear picture here um, in, in terms of career, in terms of, in terms of love life, and just a whole lot of things. I was doing a lot of healing and mending from my my experience um, through the marriage. And what happened was um, one day, you know, he had broken up with his, broken up with his, uh, what I call his number three, his third, you know, his third great love. And um, I woke up one day and uh, the the answer that I got was you need to call Hari and you need to tell him that you want to do um, a show or you want to do a workshops with him about relationships. And, you know, and, and all I knew was that he and I had a pretty good balance in terms of that masculine feminine energy and, and what, what, what ended up happening was that he was in a place of of having he was in a place where where he had had some resentments towards women and some resentments towards his mother and if you were to talk to him now he would probably say well yeah i he definitely had the resentments towards women that he had pretty much worked out much of what he had with his mother but the the relationship that we had uh allowed him to express um many of his uh, his past experiences many of his hurts i i pr- provided what he in his own words would have said the perfect confidant um in terms of letting all of that stuff sort of hang uh, hang out now i had tried to approach it from the front end because infinite intelligence told me he is supposed to help you talk and you are supposed to help him heal. Well, I tried to come at the front end, but <laughs> um, trying to, yeah, I would say that, that that wasn't the right tactic. I, I quickly realized. And so what I did was I went ahead and I went back to source and I was like, you know what, creator, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. <laughs> 
I don't know what's, what I'm supposed to be doing here, um, but you said that this is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to leave it to you to help facilitate this healing that's supposed to be taking place. And what I, what I realized was that um, with him sharing all that he shared with me, it gave me the opportunity to share with him. It got, gave me the opportunity to be truly authentic with somebody, just completely naked, all of my all of my traumas, dramas, my weaknesses, even even those things that were just downright embarrassing, um, I was able to express them in that particular relationship, and know that when I shared those things with him, that I was not going to be violated in terms of my sharing, that those things that I shared with him were not going to be used against me. (laughs) Uh, And what I realized was because I gave him the space to be himself, he gave me the space to be myself, to lick my wounds and heal, that that type of transparency and that honesty um, cultivated a, a type of, uh, I guess you could say, a culmination of agape love. If, if I think it's filialia love for each other, but what was incorporated in it was also the consciousness of the Creator. The you know, and and I intern internally asked the question, you know. I, you know, I'm going to surrender my expectations of what I think this relationship should be, and I'm going to give it to you, God, for you to, you know, take charge of this. You're in charge of this. And what what developed was uh, this ability to be honest and transparent with someone. And I realized, like, I realized that that was a larger component of what I wanted in a relationship. I wanted to be transparent and honest with somebody. I wanted to be able to, to be completely myself in the relationship. I wanted to be able to share with someone and have, you know, I wanted, you know, after a while, I really gave that some thought when I realized that this relationship was sort of acting as an uh, like a part of what it was that I was deeply desiring, I said, I want this component in in a marriage. And I had for, you know, I had called him my practice hubby because I got to tell you, um, with all of the things that, that I learned about him in that relationship, um, what – one of the things that I will say is that um, the things that he really kind of ch- he really in a lot of ways really kind of challenge my my paradigm and in and, and challenge me to always be in this energy of wholeness and completeness and so because of that uh because of that experience with him i realized well this is what's necessary this is what i'm deeply desiring what i'm deeply desiring is a sacred union it, it obviously it was a sacred relationship because i had been given the you know given the information that he and i were going to facilitate each other's healing but what it showed me was that 
um, what I deeply desired was a sacred union. And that relationship provided the space for my beloved to come in. I guess that's a space for me to come in. (laughs) (laughs) And so as I listen to that, I'm led to these words. Real love is about healing and learning. Healing and learning your path into a better tomorrow. Because God's desire is always for you to attain the greater instead of a lesser than what you had. God does not lead you to the lesser, so beware of the counterfeits that occur in our lives as imposters. God's guidance is toward which is for your greater good when you let go and let God through being authentic to yourself and with yourself. As I reflect back on my um, history of my love journey. The woman that I was wrapped up in, which I ended up marrying, that was my first marriage, was very tumultuous, and I could not understand why tumultuous. And so... I started asking questions. And you have to be cognizant when you receive the answers because you can drive right past the answer and not even know it. Well, this particular day, I was asking that question. And as I was driving along, I looked over to my left and I saw a sign that said, God is love. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. I said, whoa, wait a minute. I looked back at that sign, and I started thinking on that. I said, God is love. God God is love. And, And I said, what I've been trying to do is love this person from where I stand. I'm trying to love this person on a horizontal, which is directly from me to you, and that should come directly back to me, for me, is God is love. So with God being love, and all I'm doing is trying to do this horizontal thing, if you will, then I'm leaving God out. And I was like, whoa, I think I see where my problem lies. So I shifted my consciousness and added the God consciousness into what I was experiencing. And the relationship shifted in such a manner to where we became more loving towards one another. Now, we weren't married at the time. But we became more loving to one another in such a way to where I recognized that I needed to act differently. And in 
directing my actions in a more appropriate manner, it facilitated the direction that was necessary for the both of us to move forward, and we got married. Now, what I've discovered is you can't leave the God component out because we are spiritual beings. And being spiritual beings, our relationship with the sacredness of our spirituality is a major requirement. So it's necessary to recognize that love needs to be redefined as a sacred, powerful, fulfilling expression of who you are. I'll say that again. Love needs to be re-identified as a sacred, powerful, fulfilling expression of who you are because you are. And if you're not expressing God because God is love, then you're missing the whole point. You are incomplete. And as we had started off earlier saying, two incomplete people don't make a whole. And I think that's important. I think that's very important for us to identify with and recognize that, that that power that love has when you recognize the power of love is God and God is in you and you are an expression of what God should look like when you capture the direction of the right actions. Okay, Ashe, Ashe. <laughs> and you should see the intensity and in, uh, intensity in which he says that. He's actually pointing at you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. So, we're going to take another music break. And we will be right back. And and we're I know that we have kind of come at you with all of this uh, all of this information, and it may be really heady. But we'll we'll when we come back, we'll distill it down to the three components that you need in order for love to be enough. Because love is enough. Love is enough. So let's see. You got anything you want to hear, honey? Nothing's coming directly to mind. We got a, I know we got another song in there talk about love, but I know you're going to find it. I let the infinite intelligence operate in the expansion of love. Okay, so I did find one. I, I really like this, and I think you will too. Of your heart 
Okay, so for those of you who don't know, that is Flowers by India Are. So like I said before, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what's required for love to be enough. Because (laughs) in the – okay, so one of the things that I want you all to remember that King had said uh, earlier, which is God is love. So what is required in order for love to be enough? Um, And with us being divine expressions of God, um, in order for love to be enough, we have to be more, we have to be our God 
God's selves. So number one, number one is developing that that connection between you and the creator. Know that the creator is your source and supply of all things. And that when you are feeling those days when you have those fears, you have those doubts, you take it to the creator and you have your powwow. Now, one of the things that I think that many people really have this sort of misunderstanding and misconception of is that they have to come to God with this clean plate. But, you know, the creator already knows who you are, knows what you're going through, why, you know, why, why try to clean you up beforehand? Why not go to the source of all things and say, God, I need some help here. <laughs> I need some help here. I need, I, you know, I, I'm deeply desiring this loving, committed relationship. And, and, you know, I'm not quite clear of what's going to be needed and required of me. And, you, you know, when you get into that place of being honest and transparent with God with exactly where you are and what you're doing and what it is that you're desiring – you will be surprised at the answers and solutions that will come up. Or you will be surprised at the relationships that the creator will bring into your life in order to facilitate that healing and changing and that that the desire for a sacred relationship um, in order for you to get into that place. So relationship with the creator. The second thing you're going to need to do is be authentically honest with yourself, with others, and, you know, with your emotions. And and then the thing is, is that when you are authentic and honest about your emotions, be honest about where that stuff is coming from. When somebody is pushing your button. One of the things that you need to do is you really, uh, you know, if you find yourself wanting to just react, uh, find yourself, you just ask yourself the question of, you know, well, is that me or is that me or is it that really them? You know, we as human beings, we have this tendency to want to put our stuff on other people, say they caused you that. Well, when you do that, you are in a place of being disempowered. So being authentic with yourself, being radically honest with yourself, just letting it all just hang out, you know, to, you know, letting it get all just hang out and be in that place of drying out those parts of you that have been filled with emotion, that have been filled with pain and filled with hurt because when you get to that place of going ahead and feeling those hurts and those pains and 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 being honest and transparent you are able to facilitate the healing that you need to have the type of relationship that you are deeply desiring <laughs> now i'm going to share with you a quote that um I believe his name is uh, he. He goes by the name. Uh, his name is Kair Carter, but he goes by the name of Coach Kair. And one of the things that Coach Kair talks about is he says, 
authenticity protects you from fraudulent relationships. Authenticity protects you from fraudulent relationships. And and here's the reason why he says that. When you know, one of the things that King had mentioned earlier was being mindful of counterfeits. But when you are ap- operating in that place of of authenticity, those fraudulent, those people who have their agendas, they have those people who appear into your experience as frauds, they are going to be exposed lickety split, or they won't even, you know, they will even just say, I, I just can't. Yeah, I just can't handle being in your experience. You're you're requiring too much of me. You're requiring too much honesty. You're requiring too much transparency. It, I mean, it, and it can be for a person who's operating in that space. It can be a fearful, a fearful place to to be honest. Number three is to be gentle and easy with yourself. This come, a larger part of that is just not judging yourself too harshly for your experiences because all of your experiences have brought you to your present state as of today. You can decide today that you want to have a different experience. And those mistakes that you made, those things that you did, you know, operating in a place of, you know, place or space of fear that you may have operated in, you know, you can you can forgive yourself for that because all of it, all of all of your experiences have brought you to where you are today and all of your experiences are perfecting you for the greater space that you will have tomorrow. Is there anything else that you think that needs to be added to that list? Well, I... I can appreciate how you brought these things to our attention. And when you say be gentle and easy with yourself, because we have to understand that as spiritual beings, all of us are on a mission. All of us have have our own life's instructions. I can't judge the instructions that you have been given, nor should you judge the instructions of which I have been given, it's about healing and learning because life is for learning. When I gave thought to what we're discussing, I reflected on what I believe should be shared with the family. I was in a relationship for 18 years. It took me seven years before I came to the consciousness of recognizing that I needed to honor the love that I was sharing with my first, the person I first married. When I did that, and that was after the time I saw that sign that said, God is love, I came into a different consciousness about it, and I married this person. So there were seven years we were in a relationship previously. We were married for 12 Wow, that's a lot of time. But what happened 
after we got married, our relationship seemed like it was moving into a beautiful space. And somewhere around the fifth, between the fifth and seventh year of us being married, there were external influences upon her because she was becoming a transformed person. And she wasn't the person that she came into the relationship as because God was doing the transforming. But when those voices that are not of God start to influence a person, their behavior starts to change. And I'm speaking from experience. When the behavior starts to change, the actions start to change. And when the actions start to change, you find out that love is not enough because it's no longer the sacredness that love ought to be. So she started withdrawing away from the things that made the relationship a beautiful thing. Now, I will admit, I was feeling pretty good about my experience because of me having the relationships that I've had previously. They they have been with good people. And there are forces that work against love. Know this to be true. The key is to maintain the vibration that is necessary to stay on the positive side of that. That way, the negative side will not interfere with what you're doing. So the quote that Arlene brought forth previously, I can understand it. Now, people have suspicion that's just par for the course. People have insecurities that's par for the course because the course about life's learning is to teach us, guide us, and allow us to grow. Now, in the relationship I was with, of which I was married, my ex-girlfriend became our friend. And my wife and my ex-girlfriend was in a relationship also. And they were getting along fine. Until this day that there was this girl at a party who was operating in the negative vibration because as I was quelling the vibrations that my wife was feeling that of insecurity and suspicion, the devil knew that he could get in that little crack in the foundation of her doubts. So here we go, the only doubt and faith. So in her doubts, we came to this party, and unbeknownst to me, there was a, I want to say a, a soothsayer, but there was somebody who was reading cards and could tell you your future and all this other stuff that was at this particular party. She was a friend of the people who hosted the party. But oddly enough, 
that person had already caused havoc in somebody else's relationship. And we heard words of the havoc in the other person's relationship, not realizing that there was a connect between this person that was sitting outside on the back porch, the relationship that had already had this hell going on inside of it. So my wife at that time went out on that porch. That woman saw my wife, and whatever spirit was inside of her saw that there was doubt in her vibration and called her over to feed her head with foolishness that did not exist. Because she was under the impression that this woman had some substance to it, to what she had to say, she carried that and started doing investigations in her own mind that created things that didn't exist at all. And our relationship started falling apart after that. I worked diligently for, I would say, that was seven years almost five years trying to save that relationship. And it was driving me crazy. I started smoking cigarettes. I was like smoking like two packs a day easily without a, without a problem. I was smoking back to back. My mind was getting to a place that I was just so troubled. It was unbelievable. But stay mindful, the person which I was in a relationship with at that time, our yoke, had become uneven. We were unevenly yoked because not only did she start pulling away from my family and started accusing my mom of not being fair with my daughter, which was our daughter, which her mother, my ex-wife's mother, actually started feeding her head with foolishness also because she allowed negativity to come into her space because my ex-wife's mother started saying, you're treating your husband's mother better than what you treat me. Are y'all following what I'm saying here? You have to stay in a positive vibration. If you don't, negativity is going to come in and get you. But love protects itself if you allow love to do what love does and maintain the authenticity in it. My ex-wife is, is dead now. I would have never thought that to happen. But the trouble that I experienced in that journey taught me a valuable lesson. The last time we were together, there was an experience that happened that God showed me clearly. This woman that you are yoked with has actually turned her back on you and shut the door. It's time for you to leave. But I didn't listen to that. We came home one day. And I'm going to tell you how deluded I was. Let me see how much time we got. Yeah, okay. I, got, I can finish this in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was so deluded in believing that love was all there needed to be to where my daughter and I, because I was working in the fire department at the time, had my day off. And I said to my daughter, I said, listen, let's go get your mom and we're going to have we're going to have lunch together. And she said something like, but, but mommy didn't go to work today. And I was like, huh? And I said, girl, stop playing. Your mom told me she was going to work today. I said, listen, we're going to call her, and, she's going to tell you, and, and we're going to have lunch with her. So I called the office where she worked, and I said, may I speak to Mr. Teasdale? And 
the woman on the other line said she's not in today. I did not hear that. So I'm on the phone waiting for my wife at that time to answer the phone. And she said, is there something I can help you with? I said, yes, I'd like to speak to Mrs. T, though. She said, I, I said that uh, she's not in today. I said, she's not in. <laughs> I'm, like, totally shocked, right? She's not in. What, what do you mean she's not in? <laughs> she said, she's not here today. I said, okay, all right. And so I looked at my daughter, and I said, your mom, your mom she's not at work today. That daughter looked at me and was like, I told you, Daddy. <laughs> well, I'm sitting up there. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. I said, look, look, we're going to go back to the house then. So I go to the house, particularly the time my father was having some issues with Patel, and I needed her to be there for consolation, and she wasn't expressing that to me. I don't know what was going on. The relationship was going downhill. Anyway, when I got to the house, I pull up, and there's my wife at that time on the porch in front of the house, and she's supposed to be at work. And I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, she's home. And as my daughter and I are parking, my wife turns around, turns her back on us, walks inside the house and closes the door. And my daughter said to me, Daddy, why did Mommy turn around and close the door? And I was like, I heard God say, this woman turns her back for you and closed the door. And I was like, wow. I said, I don't know, but let's find out. <laughs> I, I give you that story just to let you know that you have to listen to the voice of God and clear all negativity out of your system and recognize that love is a sacred thing of which your participation revitalizes its sacredness. As long as you are participating as the God expression that you have come into the planet to be. I think I'm complete. And it's probably a good thing that you are because we only have about eight minutes left. <laughs> so, so here, so I've I've already given three things, right? Uh, for for there to be for you to have a sacred union, I've already given three things. But the four. Yeah, and I just want to add. Remove fear. Let's continue. So, and and I'm actually about to address that because what you what you just shared with us actually leads to the fourth component. So, understand that things will come up. Uh, things will come up, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a quick example um, of what I'm about to share. Just know that things will come up in the relationship. But instead of being in that reactionary place, you really need to be in a place of just be in a place of of again vulnerability. 
you you can't be afraid if you're going to be in a sacred union you can't be afraid to be vulnerable so that's number four to be vulnerable and and i'm going to give an example of it okay so okay so i i've talked about um you know i talked about harvey a little bit earlier well in one particular instance he and i were having a conversation on the phone and and you know he went into this rant about his mother and and you know he was really like on his soapbox about a mother should you know should be able to take care of her children a mother should be an adult a mother you know should not leave a child you know out a mother should take care of responsibilities a mother should be this and that and this and that and this and that now mind you ladies and gentlemen um one of the things that that happened in my experience after my divorce was that um i left my children in the care of my ex-husband because at the time where I was financially, economically, the most loving thing that I could do was surrender custody to my ex-husband. My issue with him had never to, had nothing to do with him as a father as much as it had to do with him as a husband. So I could trust that he was going to take care of them, but I was going through a financial free fall. Um, and I just could not get it together. <laughs> I could not get it together. So hearing hearing Harvey go on this rant and tirade about what a mother should be and me being in that place of judging myself, judging myself for the decision that I made for where I was when when I got a divorce from my ex-husband and surrendering custody, I was feeling some kind of way about what he was saying. <laughs> and and I found myself saying after he had finished with his tirade, I you know I remember just saying to him quietly, I was like, uh, "So Harvey, you know, you were going through this rant about what a mother should be. Were you talking about me too?" And all of a sudden, there was like this moment of like him pausing, like he was like he was like, "No." Everything that I had to talk about was uh, talk about was about my mother and her not being there for me and her being like X X Y Z. Well, and he says he's like quite honestly with you. The difference with you and my mother is that I view you more as a metaphysician, getting your getting your bearings and your getting your bearings on what it is that you need to do next. I don't view you as a person who is a neglectful mother. From what I can see from you, you're constantly in communication with your children. You are looking to improve your you're looking to improve your life. You're looking to make changes and I could see from where you were to where you are now that you are going about making those changes. So, I view you as this but what I said just a minute ago, that was about, he was like, I got on my soapbox because of my experiences and my mother. So I was like, <laughs> so when I realized that that rant and that tirade had nothing to do with me, I could just sit back and be honest. But I, I, I could just sit back and kind of breathe like, oh, oh, okay. So there was no, you know, again, if I wasn't in that place, of vulnerability and just and just sort of letting him know 
that, hey, dude, you just kind of hit a button in me. Did you mean to do that? <laughs> then it, the it, there there was an uh, there was a, a a point there where I guess you could say <laughs> uh, forces contrary to harmony could have disrupted the relationship. And and it understand that when you want a sacred union, it requires you to be vulnerable. It requires you to really, really kind of take uh, take you know take a back seat to your reactions to what it is that a person is saying. Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, and I guess you could say. I could just you could say that that your relationships are geared towards your healing. They're geared towards your healing. So this person that you're in relationship with, they are going to be able to push your buttons. And then the thing is is that when you put, when they push that button, all you all you really need to say is like, "Wow, you know, you really kind of pushed the button there." You know, what what was your intent when you shared that information with me? and allow them the opportunity to explain why they share that information with you. Because the chances are that what they're sharing has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has to do with their their experience and their need for healing. And so it gives you that, that, again, that transparency, that honesty, that you're you're just going to have to be vulnerable. Well, we're going to go ahead and shut this down. I, we're going to revisit this on next month's show, um, but we're, pro- we're going to call it something else. Um, I believe what I'm thinking is we're going to call the show um, Sacred Relationships. You, yeah. Sacred Relationships, and God. Yeah, something like that, Sacred Union. So we're going to work it out. But um, you did. What you were sharing is the point that when real love is there, the first thing love is not going to do is take offense. It's going gonna, it's gonna to step away from taking offense first. And that's important. All righty then. Alrighty, so we're going to close it out, but we will be back next month. And ladies and gentlemen, next month, what we're going to do is we are going to, uh, uh, on Monday, uh, Money Matters presents what is whole life insurance and do I need it? And that is what, you know, a rebroadcasting of an old show that we did um, when this uh, network was the Family Healing Circle. But please be sure to stay tuned and st- uh, tune in. Please don't actually call in because it's not a live show. But we will be ne- back next month. And love, peace, and blessings to you. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. Me too.